This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Miami Heat, as I said on the show the other day, it's like Godfather Part 3. Every time you think they're out... Murray to tie it, Heat win! He pulled you back in. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. They are back in. I just think nobody cares on our team. That's what I think it is. I think it's the I don't give a damn factor. Today's guests, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Patetti, Baseball Hall of Famer Mr. October Reggie Jackson, NHL on TNT analyst Eddie Olchek, and now... It's Rich Eisen. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show live on the Roku channel. And this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM Odyssey, and more. We are here live in Los Angeles, California. I want to thank Kirk Morrison for sitting in uh, yesterday while I was able to hang out with the fam and watch uh, my uh, 12-year-old uh, graduate from sixth grade. Uh, I was... I, I went full Dick Vermeil. Um, it was, uh, oh, yeah, well, full Richard Vermeil. Uh, it's all good. It's all right. Um, and no, I, I, by the way, I don't, I don't mean by winning on the one yard line. My oh, son, my son, oh. he's, you know, he, he went Got the it. whole distance. Uh, but at any rate, uh, thanks uh, to uh, everybody for tuning in today. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. Hey, How Rich. are you, sir? Good to see you, man. DJ Mikey D is and D's nuts. Good morning, Rich. And uh, TJ Jefferson, good to see you. What's up, bro? Uh, it's kind of wild. Uh, all I was thinking about on the way down here is, is today's guest list and how, um, you know, uh, wildly personal they are to me. Reggie Jackson is the guy who got me into baseball, pretty much, at age, I, it was 1977. He showed up in New York City. I'm an eight-year-old sitting in Staten Island, New York. Yankees fresh off of getting swept by the big red machine, you know, Rose and, and um, you know, Bench and, and Sparky Anderson and Joe Morgan. And uh, I'm, you know, uh, totally uh, in, in the tank for the Yankees. And then Reggie Jackson shows up from the Oakland A's, uh, just like Catfish Hunter, and my whole entire world changed. I'm a Yankee fan because of Reggie Jackson and uh, and him hitting three home runs, and he's going to be here in studio for yeah. hour number two. Nice. We've been planning this caper for quite some time. He is here. He wants to talk about the lack of diversity in sports ownership and, of course, his uh, new documentary on Amazon Prime yeah. video called Reggie. Um, so that's studio uh, in-studio guest hour number two. And then our first guest that's joining us in about 17 minutes' time um, Tony Petiti is a, a longtime television executive um, who, uh, back in the day, when I parted ways with ESPN, or another way to put it, handed a box by the worldwide leader <laughs> in sports, um, and uh, it was a wild time for me where I'm wondering, you know, I, I had an idea of what I was going to do next, 
Um, and I was weighing a couple of offers that one of them, which wound up being the NFL network, as we all know, which is turning 20 this fall. Um, I'm on a honeymoon when, in Italy with Suze and uh, got a phone call saying, Hey, CBS sports wants you to host the U S open late night tennis show. Uh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, back in the, the day, CBS used to have in between David Letterman and Kilborn a half hour highlight show about the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to host it. And my head was swimming. I'm on my honeymoon. I'm no longer on ESPN. I'm weighing options uh, about what to do in my career. And I got a call from CBS saying, hey, we want you to host this thing. Of course I did it. I'm a kid from New York City to work the U.S. Open. The executive who had the idea of hiring me is named Tony Petiti. He's now the Big Ten commissioner. And he's joining us in about 16 minutes' time now. And tomorrow's my 20th wedding anniversary. Hey! So it's kind of like wild how, cool. these, how these things work, you know, 20 yeah. years. That's amazing. Man. Oh, my Congrats. gosh. So this is what I'm thinking about coming down to work today. And then all of a sudden, um, I'm on the phone with Suze, and she says, oh, my gosh. I'm like, what? She goes, the Live Tour just merged with the PGA Tour. Boom. I'm like, what? <laughs> yep. The what? I almost pulled over on the 405, you know, if I wasn't speeding. But, you know, um, luckily I was in traffic when it happened. Dude, I'm like, wow, are are we serious? The live tour and the PGA tour are merging. How in the hell does that work? Yeah. And I'm starting to see statements come out from the PGA tour, the the DP world tour, the Dan Patrick world tour is one of my favorite. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, that's the folks over in Europe a new collectively owned for-profit entity that ensures all stakeholders benefit for a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players. Now, I don't want to go too deep into this because this is a business story. This is a sports business story, and and, and it makes sense that CNBC was the entity that broke this story because this is a sports business story. It's a political story. It's a world politics story that just happens to involve sports and a major sports entity that plays in the United States of America. Even though the Canadian Open is happening, but I think you understand North America, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Because this is a business story, it's a politics story, so you got to stick with me here as I do my best to try and understand it. I spoke to a couple people this morning who were in the know. I'm like, explain it to me like I'm five, will you please? <laughs> and, you know... There's, there's, there's a, the PGA tour is a nonprofit, but it's also saying it's a for-profit entity now, and they're still maintaining what's called a 501c6 nonprofit status, entity status in the United States. It's very confusing. Trust me. So I don't know how this all works. And you know who also doesn't know how this all works? Anybody who's not named Jay Monahan the PGA tour commissioner and the folks involved in the public investment fund, which is the PIF, which is what the Saudi investment fund is being called because this is Saudi Arabia buying the PGA tour and also buying the lawsuits that are going between both entities, the live tour and the PGA tour buying them, dropping these lawsuits because that's part of, of this merger is litigation is getting dropped. 
That's what this is about. I had it explained to me again from multiple people. The Saudi prince doesn't want to be deposed. Nope. Okay. And the live tour players won't back in on the PGA tour. This is what's been described to me. And so everybody gets together and tries to figure this thing out, how to make it work. And again, we're going to learn more about this news. I'm coming on the air within an hour of finding out about it and reading about it and making some phone calls about it. This is the way it's been described to me from multiple people. Okay? And how it comes across is easy to sum up in two words. It stinks. It stinks to high heaven. That's five words. Because in the lawsuit, the countersuit that the PGA Tour threw on Liv, Jay Monahan was quoted as saying in the countersuit, the countersuit is, is, I'm quoting from the countersuit, the Liv is using players, quote, and the game of golf to sports wash the recent history of Saudi atrocities. And today, what Saudi atrocities? We don't know. We have no idea. You tell me about these atrocities. Boof, gone. Okay, money, money. Read about it as much as you want. There's a new board. The PGA Tour will say that they can. They they're, they're also have their nonprofit status. They're, they're still a charitable organization. There's also a commercial entity now that the PIF, the Saudis, are the exclusive investors in, and they can also... be in charge of who else is allowed to invest moving forward. What does that sound like? Somebody who owns something, correct? And so they're going to get together and figure stuff out. What does it look like? The team aspect of the live tour is apparently still on the table. I don't know how that looks on the PGA tour. Because I'll tell you what, the guys who said no to the live money and are now watching all the live guys who took the money have a path to come back and play with them with their fat-ass wallets in their back pockets. You think those guys are going to want to put on a fireball golf shirt? And Four team, aces. And team up with those guys? Smash. How does Rory McIlroy feel today? Tiger, who turned down... Damn near a billion bucks. And you could sit there and say, Rich, they're fine, whatever. But this is the principle of the matter. They were principled in a situation where Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, sounded principled and then heel turned. Because I cannot imagine how much money was put into this kitty by the PIF. And how do you think Rory and the guys who turned down the money feel when they turn on Twitter today and see not only these tweets from Live Tour players? Phil Mickelson, awesome day today with a smiley emoji. Brooks Kepka, your recent PGA champion. PGA champion. Welfare check on Shambly. Now he's referring to Brandel Shambly, the NBC, Peacock, Golf Channel, um, analyst, he would call moralist, hand wringer. The live players hate him. Mm -hmm. 
How do you think the guys who turn down the money feel when they turn on Twitter and learn of the news? Through Twitter. Colin Morikawa, I love finding out morning news on Twitter. Now, major champion. Jay Monahan did send a memo to the tour players. If you're also on the back end of the tour, you're sitting here thinking, does that make me, am I at least going to be what, the 53rd man on the roster if I'm ranked 200, 225, 250, 300? Do I now get at least a base salary? Do I get benefits? Do I get child care? What do I get now? Obviously, this is all going to get figured out. What if they didn't want the Saudi money? They're now going to take it just to get a tour card? What about the majors? How about this? What if, let's just throw this out here. Because you're already seeing the majors, like say the PGA Championship. You're already seeing some because of the readjustment the PGA Tour made based on how much money Liv was pumping into the game from their point of, from their end of things. You're already seeing some of the purses on the majors not be some of the largest purses in the year. What if Liv decides, or pardon me, PIF, or the new entity decides, we're going to have a new tournament, and we're going to pump so much damn money into this, we're not going to call it a new major. We won't call it them. But the money will speak as if it's a new major. What does that mean? How's it going to look when we all know the game, feel the game, appreciate the game the way that it has been with the tradition that the PGA Tour is still waving in its press releases today? And in the press conference, we'll play in a second from Jay Monahan. What if that totally gets upended by the money that gets pumped in here? It's going to be on the players to actually sit here and say, well, we're not going to play in that tournament or we'll play in this one or we're not playing in that major anymore because I'm kind of tired from making all that much more money at some de facto new major that's been created, say, on a course that might be owned by an individual who has been all about the Live Tour over the last several months. I'm just saying it's totally changed the Saudis' own golf. Period. End of story. Jay Monahan, though, held a press conference today. And uh, Jay had this to say about how it's going to unify the game of golf. Hit it. There's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. And, David, the way that we're doing that is we're creating a for-profit LLC uh, that the PIF is going to invest in alongside the DP World Tour. Uh, and together, we're going to move forward uh, and we're going to take efforts to, to grow and expand this great game and to take it to new heights. And so what's happened today and to your earlier question is we've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. And I give Yasser great credit for coming to, the t- t- coming to the table, coming to the discussions with an open heart and an open mind. We did the same, and the game of golf is better for what we've done here today. Sitting next to PIF's Governor Yasser Al-Rumayyan on CNBC. Pardon me, it was not a press conference. We're just, this is all so fresh, it's happening fast. 
unifying the game of golf. In his letter to the PGA Tour members, he said, we will work com- cooperatively to establish a fair and objective process for any players who desire to reapply for membership with the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, following the completion of the 2023 season consistent with each tour's policies. Uh This is a complicated endeavor and one that will be guided by established PGA Tour rules and regulations. What is the established rules? The established rules and regulations is if you go to live, you're out forever. (laughs) Right. What the hell does that mean? But they're unifying the game of golf. Oh, and uh, I forgot. The Live Tour is about the youngers, the young kids. Because it's on the CW. Available on Roku, by the way. Here's what he had to say, Jay Monahan, on that subject. When you look at the game on a global basis, there are now more people playing the game outside the U.S. than playing inside the United States. Okay, you look at everything that has transpired in terms of the forms of distribution. Um, Top Golf and all the other ways that people can interface with our sport. There are now people off course, more off course participants than on course participants, and that combined audience in the U.S. is 48% under the age of 35. Reaching a younger demographic at a time when the sport has never been more popular, and doing so by coming together to collaborate at this point in time, that's where we see the commonality and purpose, and that's where we see this huge opportunity. Let's ask the LPGA Tour uh, about uh, the new entity that's involved in a country where they can't drive. Listen, this is about business, youth. Get out of here. I don't know a single kid that plays golf that's like, tell me about the four aces team. (laughs) What's going on on that live tour? The five people, 5,000 people are watching on the CW. Joke. It's about business. It's about the business of having these lawsuits dropped. It's about the business of taking the money that the tour excommunicated players, excommunicated players for doing and rallied around the players that didn't defect and pushed them out as the face of the PGA Tour that was fighting against the sports washing of the Saudi atrocities. And that entity just turned around and said, what atrocities? And that, in a way, for sports, sports is an atrocity in its own. That's the way I feel about it. What about you? 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Eddie Olchuk's going to come on the uh, Vegas Knights, pardon me, Golden. Golden Knights, Rich. Up 2-0. Boy, they just absolutely beasting the Florida Panthers. Um, Miami Heat are now tied at one game apiece with the Nuggets. I'll give my two cents on that. Also on this program, Reggie Jackson in studio, but coming up next, the commissioner of the Big Ten and somebody who I haven't spoken to in a very long time, but holds a near and dear place in my heart, as I mentioned, First guy to hire me after ESPN gave me a cardboard box. Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti when we come back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, our Roku channel audience is here. Our radio audience will return in a few minutes. But joining me here on the Rich Eisen Show uh, is the new Big Ten commissioner. I couldn't have been more happy to hear his name be mentioned because I know he's a smart man because he hired me uh, back here uh, in the day. Joining me here from the (laughs) front office of the Big Ten, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Petiti. How you been, Tony? Hey, Rich. Great to hear from you and have a chance to speak with you. I'm doing well. And uh, that was a while back, but I do remember all that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Tony, I was on my honeymoon and I was just, you know, you know, wondering what was next. And I, I kind of had an idea, but uh, getting a call saying CBS Sports wants to hire you to do the U.S. Open, I was all in. And um, I, I can't thank you enough, truly, 20 years later. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, you did a great job for us back then, and it was, you know, kind of, I'm sure it came a little bit out of the blue when we when we decided to do it, but it was great, and you obviously followed all your success everywhere you've been. So it's been uh, glad we had a chance to work together. I appreciate that. Were you the one who brought it up in a meeting? You said, "Hey, let's I, get, let's see what let's, Rich is up to." Let's go get this guy. Yeah, you know, I think it was sort of. I'll take credit for it. It worked out well. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Is that the way everybody, management everybody works? Runs, you, 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 you take credit for everybody runs right to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still have my jacket. I still have my jacket, Tony. I still have my Everybody CBS blazer. CSI. Like it's still old school. I love the fact that you know the blazers still fly when uh, when you're watching those games. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, and, and Nance cuts a great figure in it still, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty. It was it was great back in the day, and you know, and and so again, when I when I heard that you were taking over such an important position, and I'm a I'm a Big Ten guy, I was I was pleased to hear about it. 
So, you know, you. congratulations on, on your new role. I'm back here on the Rich Eisen Show on the Roku channel every single day, as you know, between 12 and 3 Eastern time right here. Back on the Rich Eisen Show radio network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We were just chit-chatting on the Roku channel only segment with the new commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Petiti, who's here on the Rich Eisen Show. So uh, when did you get the call first to say, hey, would you like to leave um, uh, MLB uh, where you helped launch that network um, to join the Big Ten? When, when did that first happen for you? Yeah, so yeah. I was I was working with uh, Liberty Media and uh, uh, Investment Fund in Boston because okay. uh, I had left MLB, but like at, okay. at that point, you know, the process started sometime, I think, around in February, actually. Um, and there was, you know, it kind of was, you put, you, you know, obviously expressed interest right away. You know, it's a, it's a huge job, huge role at a really critical time. So definitely was intrigued. And then just sort of got in the process and started to sort of understand, like, what was out there um, and went through it. And it was really thorough and, you know, it took a few months, but there was a lot of preparation that went into it. And that's kind of the way I approached it, just trying to learn. It was it was great because you start doing the, the research and you obviously on the Big Ten side and what the conference means. And really it was the first thing I did when I was at ABC back in the day in programming. One of the first things I worked on were Big Ten. Back then it was a, it was a joint deal, Big Ten, Pac-10 football and the College Football Association. So there was a lot of connection to it and worked really closely with Jim Delaney and his team back in the day. So it was kind of great to reconnect it in that way. It's so and, and to join um, the Big Ten conference as its commissioner at this point in time, what is what was the what is the first thing uh, on your in in your inbox to do? What is what is the first order of business for you, Tony? Yeah, there's a lot actually. Like there's sort of like you know two or three things I'd point to. One is you know no particular order, but just you know USC and UCLA coming in. Right, we've got to do a great job there, integrate them in the conference. The conference has a really good history of doing that. Uh, you know, back in the day with Penn State and. Rutgers, Nebraska, Maryland as well. So it's just, number one, making sure that works. This is probably a little more challenging in terms of logistics and travel. So there's a lot of people in the office spending a lot of time on scheduling and trying to work through all those things. But we get those two great historic, you know, college athletics brands coming into the conference. So that's, that's great. So that's out there. You know, there's some, there's some work um, on the media side. Just, you know, we're in a really great position to have three broadcast partners. So when you think about what Saturdays are going to be, uh, on the football side for the Big Ten, it's going to be pretty, you know, pretty unique to have that kind of exposure. But, you know, with that, as you know, when you're balancing three partners, just the scheduling pieces. So, you know, completing that, and making the schedules work for everybody, and you know, of course, member institutions. So that's out there. Um, there's a lot of work in the future of the college football playoff in the Big Ten going forward. You know, it's going to obviously expand. So that's out there doing, you know, doing that right. I think we have a huge opportunity around women's basketball and the success the conference had last year and just how the sport performed, you know, through the NCAA tournament. So there's some great some great opportunities there. And then, you know, there's just all these big issues facing college athletics that are kind of out there, right, in terms of, you know, the governance and student athletes and all that. So you look at all those things, there's things that are just in the everyday uh, work at the conference, and there's some bigger issues that just take more time, more collaboration to, to address. Big Ten Conference Commissioner Tony Petiti here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's take them one at a time. You mentioned incorporating USC and UCLA into uh, the conference. When do we find out, um, obviously, you know, the SEC had this whole business about their schedule and how many conference games they're going to schedule, and they finally hammered that out. Uh, when do we find out when UCLA and USC get placed into a into a division and what that what that looks like in football, Tony? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think we're just 
honestly just maybe just a few days away from sort of revealing like what it will look like going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's been a lot about divisions, no divisions, been a lot of work. Obviously, a lot of this work was done before I arrived in yes. terms of you know what the right path is. Um, you know, the conference is playing nine games. There's a commitment to, to continue to do that. I, you know, I think this, everything was studied. Uh, but I think you'll see in really short order uh, some information coming out about how we're going to play and how we're going to organize around you know, our college football schedule. And how so it stays away. Who's in? Who's been involved in those conversations? Are all the athletic directors, you know, given their two cents? And and then how does it all come out in the wash? Yeah. Again, like looking back, because I obviously wasn't in the early phases of how that was done. But it's it, obviously it's it's across like the conference office making recommendations, the athletic directors giving their feedback. I'm, you know, I'm sure they talk to coaches, obviously, and get, you know, get their views on scheduling. But I think there's some, some things that are, are important about nine in terms of strength of schedule, but also just how you play and how long it would take to rotate, right? You know, so there's certain things that, that I think are important that I think they, they 100% that the conference work here reinforces it, where you want, you know, you don't want to go too long where you know schools continue to miss each other in terms of how often they play. Um, I think, you know, just by comparison, one of the great things that we changed uh, at MLB was this year, if you look at the schedule, Rich, like, everybody plays everybody now. Yes. So, you know, if you're Yankees, you're playing the Dodgers every year, you play them once at home, and then next year you go on the road, potentially, however, however it alternates. But it just allows you to not have to wait that long as a fan to see those teams, especially when those teams have star players. I think it's exactly the same sort of idea here. One, it's easier to have, you know, competitive balance. You're playing more frequently. Um, so I think those are some of the really important tenets you'll see when we announce what the format is. I think those things were incredibly important and and were, I think, handled the right way to make sure that you know members aren't missing each other for too many years. So this way, it'll feel more cohesive as a conference this way. But there, there's some you know rivalries that can't be broken up, right? Correct. You have to play Correct. every yeah, year. That's right. Do you have a that's list right. of those? Is there a list? Uh, Tony? We do. You'll see. You'll see pretty soon. You can guess on some of them, right? Some oh yeah. Really obvious. So. Yeah, those are going to be protected. You have to, in terms of, you know, what that is. And if you can get to a format where, you know, you're protecting those core rivalries, and at the same time you're creating a rotation that has, you know, members playing each other frequently, so you can provide that, you know, that same type of, of connection, I think is really important. But obviously, there are just certain things that you absolutely have to protect. Right, I know that. And then, um, how about game times as well? There, there's some serious tradition in the Big Ten on that front, and you got three partners: Fox, CBS, and NBC. Then I'm sure are all jockeying for that position and you're in that you 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 know how to work this one i mean you've been involved on the other side uh, right for so many times <laughs> in your career was, yeah right? this is how i was trained actually this is the first thing i did was really college football and college basketball scheduling for abc um look i think one thing to, to be you probably would feel this way also i think to credit the fox because what they did in creating this noon window I think was a little bit non-traditional thinking, right, of putting big games at noon. That's worked extremely well, right? So that's just been a great decision on Fox's part and give those guys credit for, you know, taking the chance to do that. And then obviously they had the research and the data and they, and they were right. And then, you know, 3.30, to think about what we did at CBS when I was there to really anchor the SEC at 3.30 for all those years. That's been a great, you know, window to have that. And so... And then, you know, you look at uh, the opportunity in prime. So I think where we have this great opportunity is to have that consistency through the day, right? Having, uh, you know, in today's world especially, being able to, you know, to own noon and 3.30 in prime time across, right? There'll be a little bit of a bridge because this year CBS still has the SEC before they transition to 
to pretty much just Big Ten, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really, really great. Now, your point is right. It does create, you know, some scheduling challenges, right? Everybody's looking for the same you know, same games and how you dole that out. There's a whole selection process that has to be, you know, ironed out. We started on it this year. It'll continue to evolve. But I think the good thing is with, you know, USC and UCLA coming in, there's just plenty of great games here. Um, and so, we, you know, we'll have no problem getting to the day. There's some things that, you know, about when certain schools play, what time of year, at night, all of those things are things that, you're pointing out that are just you know traditions in the Big Ten that we have to you know respect and then work with. Tony Petiti, the new commissioner of the Big Ten here on the Rich Eisen Show. Where does his expansion stand? I mean, again, you got three television partners. You want to talk about windows that need to be filled up. You got college basketball and obviously the other sports in the Big Ten um, and the crazy world that we live in with um, um, expansion and who's who's out there and who wants to snap up other schools. Where do you stand on that subject matter as we're sitting here or early June 2023? Yeah, this has come up a lot, obviously. And I, what I would say is, and I said this like right from the moment it was announced as the commissioner, is that you know we're focused primarily on USC UCLA. Right, there's a lot of work to do. We got to do that right. The integration is really important. It's important to them. It's important to our student athletes across how we schedule. Do all those things, right? So that's that's the absolute you know priority. And then next, what I would say is. And you know, not to, to cut the discussion short, but look, mm-hmm. the Big Ten has always been really strong. It's you know my job to, to make sure it remains that way in the future to take that legacy that was handed from you know from Kevin and Jim Delaney and going all the way back to Wayne Duke. Like this, so you know, historically great conference, and you know, the job is to make sure that we are that way going forward. And that doesn't you know things could change potentially, but right now the focus is just on this integration, doing it right, making sure that we're cohesive, trying to you know establish that. You know, some of these matchups feel like Big Ten games as fast as we can make them. That's across all sports. And what do you think about, Tony, uh, the the idea of expanding um, not just, I just mentioned conference, but but kind of, I guess it, it would also be contracting just having Big Ten and other, if you will, big conferences get together and have your own football league, have your own world, the whole Super League concept from a couple of years ago that didn't work over in Europe. But the idea that you could at least come up with just a certain number of member schools with the the same NIL rules, same transfer portal rules, same everything. It's just your world, and it's through the college football playoff system. What's your two cents on that, writ large, Tony? Yeah, I start off with the idea that lots of strong conferences is is, is the right model, right? Having strong conferences out there is, is really beneficial. I think it creates you know intersectional rivalries. It doesn't mean um, that, you know, as conferences get bigger, that's not the right thing as well. Obviously, it's what the Big Ten has chosen to do and, and the SEC as well. So um, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. But that's, I still think, you know, having an ecosystem with lots of strong conferences makes the most sense. How it's governed and organized, like, right, obviously, everybody's committed, you know, to the NCAA. I don't want to speculate on what that could look like in the future. Um, but, you know, there are things that are unique to the larger conferences, right? And so I think that's why, you know, you raise that question as you, as you think about that, right, you typically, you know, being governed in, in, in systems that, you know, have sort of like mindless sort of same types of issues and problems usually makes the most sense. Um, but I think, you know, right now it's not, you know, right now I think the focus across, you know, all the Power Five is just, you know, the, the, the issues that we're facing with student-athletes, but then also making sure we get the new version of the CFP right. 
I guess before I uh, let you go, Tony, um, you got a good, I mean, uh, you got a good um, Madden story. You got a good John Madden story from back in your day, or did you did you not cross paths? Was he already gone? I, what do you got? For I, me? My best one was more on the Keith Jackson side. And it okay, was just, uh, give, give me that one. Work. I, I just, <laughs> I'm not sure it was much of a story, but you know, at the end of the day, like a Monday morning, Keith would call. And one of the jobs I had was doing the maps. So we picked, we had five or six regional games at 3.30. And my boss would call out the market, and I would color it with a highlighter on the map that had all the ABC stations. Right? So literally, I was, you can picture me sitting on a desk with colored highlighters coloring over the stations, and that would be the distribution. And Keith would typically call right about when we were done to figure out where he was going. You know, he had the, you know, the, he, he sounded exactly like he did on the air. <laughs> You know, I had grown up watching him with Frank Broyles and Eric Parsegian. Sure. Like, I'm just sitting there, wait a second. I'm in a, I'm in a job where <laughs> Keith Jackson's on saying, like, you know, I think I'm going to Tuscaloosa this week. And I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and so, you know, we had this sort of sense of, you know, all of it. And then just being around him. And he was, you know, he was great to me. And just being part of that whole ABC system. Like, we had, I mean, which back in the day, you know, we had uh, Brent and, and uh, Dick Vermeil mm-hmm. as our second team. And our lead team was Keith and Bob. You know, you think about, like, a lot of big names across. That was just on college football. Um, So it was just, you know, just amazing to get to work with him and and be part of all that. Well, I just know that whenever he would call a Michigan game, that that just put it on a different plane, you know. It would just put it on a different level. When he was in Michigan Stadium, when he was in the big house, when I was a student there, it just was like, Keith Jackson's here. It was like the president's here. Like, this is – that's the way it would work. And then he's the voice of the Rose Bowl, right, which is obviously the premier Big Ten game – um, traditionally, uh, the voice, he's the, uh, truly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Like it's what we did. Like, you know, you had Keith there and, you know, I give Sean a lot of credit. Like when we moved, you know, Vern Lundquist to do the SEC package, yes. right. It's the same thing you're talking about. Like, it's just that consistency and, and being associated. I think that happened for Vern, like being the, yes. the voice of the SEC for all those years. I mean, obviously Keith was, a you know, sort of a, sort of the father of all that in terms of college football. But, you know, I was really, you know, happy because that was a big change from Byrne to go from the NFL to college, and he embraced it, and it just turned out to be great for him. It was great for fans. Oh, right? yeah. He, he and, was terrific at it. And still here in Vern in the 16th Tower, even just this past <laughs> Masters, Tony. In, in your life. <laughs> really, and truly, it was great. And, and you know, just to bring this conversation full circle, um, working the U.S. Open, one of the great pleasures I got to, to enjoy was being around Dick Enberg all those three summers, just being around him and just – Again, you mentioned that when you meet or spoke to Keith Jackson, it was a guy that you saw on TV. Same thing with Enberg. Same exact thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you. I know you got to go about no, the but like at the end of the day, like you know, we were sitting around at Augusta. There were a couple of years that Dick was doing stuff at the Masters. So you're sitting in a room with Jim and Vern and Dick Enberg, right? And and all those guys. You're just thinking like, wow. And we had this little cramped office, and we're all just sitting there, all the talent, and it just, yeah, it was. There's a lot of those moments where you just realize, like, hey, this I'm really lucky just to be here to listen and keep my mouth shut and listen to the stories. <laughs> Same thing with me. And, and just, uh, again, just to, to wrap it up, Tony, um, uh, I was telling this story on this show last week that I, I got to call a fifth set tie break in the grandstand, which is kind of like the Cameron Indoor of, you know, the U.S. Open. And right. uh, I, I got to call a fifth set between Eunice Elinawi and Yuri Novak. And it was such an intense fifth set that they sent – uh, maybe you did. <laughs> you were the one who did. Probably me. Yeah. Sent, <laughs> sent McEnroe over. Sent John over from Ash to to join me, and uh, he sits down next to me. It's the first time I'd seen him 
um, all week because he wasn't around for the U.S. Open late night show. His brother Pat was my co my co-host. My and and he sits down next to me. He goes, "I can't believe I'm calling a tennis match with the guy from I Love the '90s on VH1." That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I I felt like I got welcomed, you know, like I got uh, baptized by John McEnroe in the U.S. Open yeah. coverage. You know, you, you baptize a lot of crews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Hey, listen, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Hopefully, Rick. we do we do some more. And uh, you know, obviously, keep it fair for the Wolverines. You know what I mean, Tony? You got it. You got it. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You for your that's time. the commission. You right back at you. That's uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Petiti, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, oh, is he? Uh, Del Tufo, no, Del Tufo to Petiti. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. He has no idea it's the voice of a Notre Dame talking, fan. I was talking to um, You know, and I know, that you know and I know. <laughs> that you know that, that I know. That you know and you know Norton. and you know Norton. that I know that we all no, know. No. USC is going to be put in Michigan's oh, division oh, with so Ohio stop. State and Michigan State oh, and Penn State this is and UCLA. You. No, it's not a slight. It's actually paying homage. Yeah. Michigan USC are some of the greatest games. Rose Bowl games yes. from back in the day. And you want to talk tradition. Obviously, you know, USC, Ohio State, you know, they played. <laughs> but <laughs> play. it's coming. And UCLA is going to be in the other division with Wisconsin and Minnesota and um, other significant schools and institutions of higher learning. That's coming. And you're you know, just going to complain about it you, endlessly. No, about how no, no. Apparently, this is, this is no, 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 no. I will just say it's just par for the course. And this is what has to be if you are the big dog on the street. Yeah. The SEC is going to no divisions anymore. Why doesn't the Big Ten it's do great. that? Does that mean Georgia's going to play Alabama every year? Oh, no. That doesn't mean that. You don't know that? They should play every year. Every year. Oh, they do. It's called the SEC Championship game. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got it. But that's not I don't know why arrogant. Ge- I, don't know why geography, not arrogant. I don't know why geography is so tough for you. That's not arrogant. Alabama and... Georgia should play every year. They're not close by. You know, what do you mean they're you not close by? How that works? We're, you understand how geography Michigan's works? about to be in the same <laughs> conference as uh, and two schools, two time zones away. That's a YP. Okay. That is not an SEC. It's coming. TJ, <laughs> write it down because he won't write it down. Write you. it down. No, because I already hear the bitching write that's going to take not. place this fall, next fall, the fall no, after. No, no, Michigan no, no. schedule is Wrong so much B-word. tougher. Wrong B word. Boasting. Boasting. When you're getting boat raced, another Boast, B word? Boasting. Boat yeah, race. No, no. <laughs> Says the Syracuse Orange, but hey, no, the mother of my child loves Georgia, so let me be an SEC guy all of a sudden. <laughs> Got it. Hey. Stay by your phone, man. I may need you. (laughs) Thanks, Coach. I can't help help what the heart wants. (laughs) Let's take a break. We'll be back. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Reginald Martinez Jackson is on his way to the studio. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. 
you know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. In this day and age, though, uh, I've had a conversation with fellow Hall of Famer John Smoltz a couple weeks ago, Reggie, that, uh, that 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 kids don't mind striking out as much these days. Did you have did you have an all or nothing mentality? Obviously, you're we all know how many strikeouts you had in your career, but um, did that matter at all to you? Because there's a lot of hand wringing over it today these days. Well, I, I think I struck out too much. And I averaged somewhere 2,500 in 21 years is 125 a year. Um, so, but that's too many. Uh, and I think for 162 games, if I would have played them, I'd have averaged 140 something. Mm-hmm. That's too many strikeouts. You can get by with it. Uh, this is, wow. Hold on, let me take this call from Hal Steinbrenner. I'll call him right back. Okay, you go. Hey, Hal, I'll call you right back. It's Reg. Okay, thanks. Um, Reg, I mean, seriously, you could take that. I mean, you could put me on hold for the boss. That's okay. <laughs> I got. I wouldn't want, I can't have you hear what I'm saying. Now, hold on a second, uh, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now hold on. Real quick, though, I, I'm not, I, I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask this question. If that was George back in the day, would you have been able to tell him? No, no. What you just told his son? No, no, I'd have hung up on you. I might not even have told you. <laughs> <laughs> I might not even. I just acted like I was, I just acted like I wasn't on the phone. <laughs> no, I'd have hung up. <laughs> oh man! Now, if, that, if, if that was Hank, uh, oh. I'd have probably got off the phone because because he'd have had some choice words for me too. Reggie making its way to the studio to hang out with us in hour number two of this very busy day right here on the Rich Eisen Show on the Roku channel and more. Back here on our program with our radio audience rejoining us here. So uh, Reggie Mar- Reggie Jackson will be in studio hour number two. Uh, Eddie Olchek, hour number three Eddie here o. on the show. Um, big news of the Live Tour combining forces with the PGA Tour. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more as the days throughout uh, gets longer. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial if you want to have a conversation here. Just hung up with the Big Ten Commissioner, Tony Petiti, uh, who says they will announce shortly 
uh, the news that we've all been waiting for, USC and UCLA, where are they going to wind up in football divisions with the Big Ten? And what does it mean? And how does it break in, break down? Um, I was uh, the the um, um, recording I made with uh, the good folks of Pardon My Take uh, hit air uh, yesterday. I saw that. Yeah. Nice. And um, interesting conversation we had. And one of the subject matters that they sliced up and put out on their uh, social media feeds, I'll ask you this question. They were asking me, if Urban Meyer came back, would I be crying in my sleep if he came back? To coach where? Just Ohio State. Oh. Like uh, if he came back to coach Ohio State. Yeah, of course you would. No, I wouldn't. Why? So let me ask you this question. He's beating your brains in for how long? Seven years in a row. Great. Right. Do you think he would be as good a coach now in the world of the transfer portal as it currently stands you think so in college football all that guy has ever done is win win and all kids care about is winning okay and not playing i mean you've seen you've seen kids take off from ohio state as a matter of fact starting for say texas you see kids take off well because there's first round draft picks ahead of them correct yeah they got somewhere else to get playing time okay that happens at every school not specific to Ohio State. What do you say, TJ? Do you he, think he'd be just as good as he, if he came back? Since we're to, on the subject matter of Big Ten football you, right you, now? You have to wonder if everything that happened to him with the Jags, right? Because like Chris said, kids don't care, but kids' parents care. So does the controversy, that, that short stint with the Jaguars, does that hurt him in the eyes of some of these parents? I don't so, think it does. Oh, In the so? eyes of the parents? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. so I, then, I don't think it hurts in the eyes of kids either. So that, then your answer is yes, he would be just as successful. No, then. but he's got the, his my way or the highway approach, which obviously Nick Saban clearly has as well. Um, and it's not like uh, there aren't any other coaches that have my way or the highway. Uh, I don't know. But I also think my school's a hell of a lot better. It's, it's, it's as good as it's been than in the seven years that he was there. So That's you, for damn sure. So you're, you're kind of welcome. I would. Welcoming back? I would. It would be different if it was, you know, a Matt Rule situation where he had no success in, co- you know, you know, didn't win a championship in college, went to the NFL, mm-hmm. flamed out like he did, and then went back and was like, hey, listen to me. This guy's won everywhere he's been. No, I understand that. So I think it's a little bit different. I, I push back. I'm like, I would not be crying myself to sleep at all. I would be, I, I'd, I'd be fired up to, to tee it off right now. Sure. To tee yeah. it up right now. Yeah, of course you would. I mean, you have to feel as good as, about your program as you've ever felt in the history of your fandom. Correct. And I just have a feeling that I, I would need to, let's put it this way, I would need to see him be able to run his program in the manner that he ran Jacksonville's. One would think the way that he went to Jacksonville. That's the only way that I can utilize my assessment of this mm-hmm. is what he did in Jacksonville telling, you know, professional coaches, professional football coaches, you need to defend your resume and all the stories that you would hear that clearly that sort of approach in college now where kids can just say, I'm out, I'm going to go play for Dion, right? I'm going to go play for anybody else that's not named Urban Meyer. I'm out of here. Would he be able to do that? And then, to me, just what happened at Ohio State would be, pardon me, the Ohio State, it would, it would come home to roost um, a second time around. And I don't know how much that would, that would fly. You, but you I think, would welcome it back. You that think would, his that's for sure. would have to change a little bit. But they also have a terrific Slightly. coach right now. 
They do. Who's, who's winning every single damn game that he plays with the exception of the last two against Michigan, an occasional hiccup against a team that's definitely a, if you will, lesser team in the conference, and then Georgia. He's beating everybody else. Yeah, if you're only losing to three teams in three years, that's not bad. That's right. <laughs> so. Sort of like, um, well, Michigan hasn't lost. It's just they've lost to two teams in two years, so there's that. <laughs> just point out, it's a different story now. You can you, you chuckle all you want. <laughs> you're not shining shoes anymore. Is no, that what you're that's correct. Also, just the general landscape of college football is. That's different. what I'm saying. Like you really have to this be able to navigate the transfer portal and the NIL. This stuff is what I am saying. He it's did not have that. Well, they were paying players just in a different way, probably in his day. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. So no, was, I didn't say this. Anybody he, wants he, to know, taking in the Rich Eisen show, I did not say this. It was not Rich Eisen. Some kind of waters. I think we can all wink, wink, agree to. Whatever. Like I said, let's just keep it real. Yeah, let's keep it real. I cannot believe the live tour I'm, combined with the I'm PGA stunned. tour. Stunned. It's stunned. I just can't believe it. This is as big a sports story this century. It's I not think. a but, but, but it's not a sports story. But it, it, it's all a story. It's sports. It's business. It it's involves politics, sports. It's, it's everything. It's business. It's geopolitics yeah, and it's business. Wild. There's a reason why CNBC broke this story and ESPN or a partner of the PGA Tour did not. There is a reason for that. It is a business story with geopolitics surrounding it. They did not want, the, the, the Saudis didn't want to get deposed and the PGA Tour didn't want an antitrust lawsuit. And I also think the PGA Tour didn't want to disclose all of a sudden they have all this money to, to up the purses? Like, as Phil said, hey, the PGA Tour is sitting on this reserve of cash. How do we know? Well, we don't know. Just trust me, I'm telling you. Right. And now suddenly $20 million purses for events? And I'm sure the sponsors were like, we're tapped out. Yeah. We're tapped out. And the Lyft Tour is looking at the ratings, and they're like, this thing stinks. Nobody's oh, watching. Yeah, nobody's watching. These nobody's guys were, watching. These guys it. were buried. They're, they were basically irrelevant, except for their performances in the majors. Which has been pretty good. Obviously, Brooks oh, Kepka yeah. won the PGA. I just also just shout out for keeping this silent. Like nobody knew there were no leaks, there were no nothing. Well, All of a sudden, just a bomb dropped. Yeah, it just happened. Like Greg Norman was told that he got called right before they went on the air. He didn't know. None he, of the players knew, obviously. And it's supposed the PGA tour is supposed to be a players tour. None of them found they were found out on Twitter. Jay Monahan is having a 4 p.m. Eastern players chit chat at the Canadian Open today. That's his last line in his Jeez. in his note to the players is like, hold on, let me read it. What a joke. It's what he wrote. I will be on site at the RBC Canadian Open later today and would like to invite those in the field to a player meeting at 4 p.m. to help answer any questions you may have. I hope Rory shows up and knocks him out. <laughs> Rory shows up his hand raised I've got a question i got a question Hello. hey are you scratching me a 700 million dollar check yeah. are you aware I turned down nine figures Jesus. to back your play oh. Reggie Jackson coming up are you aware that hey 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 hey! you see all these holes Ooh. in my body I got a question I took shot after arrow mm. after for, for you and the tour for the last year and a half my game suffered because of it, because I got up every week and answered and the, every question. And, and that pointed out the live tour players saying, hey, everybody thought we wouldn't be sharp for the majors because we don't play as much. Well, guess who just won the Wanamaker? Bill came in second at the Masters. Yes. Yeah. Brooks had the 54-hole lead. 
then won the PGA. And he's got he took the money and he's going to be allowed back on the tour cuz they're all one big happy family from the legal point of view. <laughs> but wow. from the point of view of stances and moral stances sports washing, they just washed it away. Yep. They just washed it away. All that sports washing conversation. Holy smokes. Can't believe it happened. And then again, of course it can. Of course it can. Yeah, money always seems to win. And then lawsuits spur actions, to use the phrase of our buddy Andrew Brandt, right? Lawsuits spur actions. And, you know, Saudis didn't want to get deposed, and the PGA Tour didn't want any antitrust questions asked of them. So guess what happens? Fireball T-shirts for everybody. (laughs) Reggie Jackson coming up.